Welcome to Zichud Av Siman Memorabay of Ram Golder, and today we're Sechel Shkalim Daf Gimel, the first parak Bechab Adar. So the three topics we're going to focus on. Number one, the Mishnah lists several activities that are done on the 15th of Adar. Among them is Metzainus Akvaros, they mark the graves. The Tikkun Chatzin explains that since some markers may have been washed away due to winter rains, it was necessary to inspect the graves and replace missing markers so that the Kahanim would know to distance themselves from the graves. The Gemara asks what the source is that marking graves is required, and answers that it was stated in the name of many Amarayim, that the source comes from the Parsha regarding the Mitzorah. The Pasuk states, V'tamei tamei yikra, and he shall call out, contaminated, contaminated. Now why does the Torah require this? Kadesh, they had tumah koro so that the tumah calls out to you, the passerby with its mouth, v'omer prosh, and says to you, keep away. The Tikkun Chadin explains that by the same token, graves must be marked so that people know to avoid them. The Gemara brings an additional allusion to marking graves. Point number two, in the next mission, Rabbi explains what the inspectors would do when they found Kalim in the fields on the 15th of Adar. After failing to dissuade the transgressors in their first two attempts, the Rabbani instituted that the inspectors should be mafkir the entire field, meaning to declare it onerous. The Gemara asks, Manaisha Hefker based in Hefker. What's the source that what's declared onerous by based in is onerous? So it brings a Pasuk from Sefer Ezra, Whoever does not come within three days as proposed by the princes and the elders, All his property shall be confiscated and he shall be separated from the congregation of the exile. The Gemara continues with seeking the source that the produce that based in his mafkir is identical to when an owner declares his produce hefker, and it's also exempt from Maisras. Point number three. In the next Mishnah, Rebuta says that Ben Bukhri testified in Yavna that a Kohen is not sinning if he gives the marks as a shakur, as Rabbi Yochim and Zakai says, is not so. Rather, any Kohen that does not pay sins. The Gemara brings a source for the rulings. It's written in the Torah concerning the Marxist Shackle, called Over al everyone who passes through the senses. Rabbi Yehuda and Rabbi Nechemi interpret this passage differently. One said, called the Avrabiyama Yitin, everyone who passes through the Yamsuf shall give. According to this opinion, Kohanim and Levim are chayev to give since they pass through the sea, which supports Rabbi Yochim and Zakai. The other one said, called the Arba Apukudayat Yitin, everyone who passes through the senses shall give. The Tikkun Chadatin explains that this exempts Kohanim Levim, since they did not pass through the senses of Moshe's presence as all the Jews did. Rather, Moshe Rabbeinu went to the doors of their tents and counted them there. This supports Membuchri, who holds the Kohanim are not obligated to give. So once again, the three points are number one. The Mishnah lists several activities that are done on the 15th of Adar. Among them is Mitzayin and Sekvaras. They mark the graves. The Tikkun Chadatin explains that since some markers may have been washed away due to winter rains, it was necessary to inspect the graves and replace missing markers so the Kahani would know to distance themselves from the graves. They were asked what the source is that marking graves is required, and answers that it was stated in the name of many Amorim that the source comes from the parsha regarding the Mitzorah. The Pasuk states, V'tamei tamei yikra, and he shall call out, contaminated, contaminated. Now why does the Torah require this? So that the Tuma calls out to you, the passerby with its mouth, and it says to you, keep away. The Tikkun Chadatin explains that by the same token, graves must be marked so that people will know to avoid them. The Gemara brings an additional allusion to marking graves. Point number two in the next mission, Reviewed explains what the inspectors would do when they found Kalim in the fields on the 15th of Adar. After failing to dissuade the transgressors in their first two attempts, he skinnyushu mafkir and calls Sadakula, the rabbinant instituted, that the inspectors should be mafkir the entire field, meaning to declare it onerous. The Gemara asks, Menajah Hefker, based in Hefker, what's the source that was declared onerous by based in his onerous? So it's written, Say for Ezra, And whoever does not come within three days, as proposed by the princes and the elders, 
All his property shall be confiscated, and he shall be separated from the congregation of the exile. The Gemara continues with seeking the source that the produce that based in his mafkir is identical to when an owner declares his produce hefker and is also exempt from Maisrus. And point number three, in the next mission of Revuda says that Ben Bukhri testified in Yavne that a Kohen is not sinning if he gives the Maxis a shekel, whereas Rabbi Yochman Zakai says it's not so. Rather, any Kohen that does not pay sins. The Gemara brings a source for the rulings. It's written in the Torah concerning the Maxis a shekel, Ko'ovra, Pukudim, everyone who passes through the senses. Rabbi Yudin and Rabbi Nechemia interpret this Pasuk differently. One said, Everyone who passed through the Yamsuf shall give, according to this opinion. Kohanim and Levim are chayv to give since they passed through the sea, which supports Rabbi Yochum and Zakai. The other one said, Everyone who passed through the senses shall give. The Tikkun Chadin explains that this exempts Kohanim Levim, since they didn't pass through the senses in Moshe's presence, as all other Jews did. Rather, Moshe Rabbeinu went to the doors of their tents and counted them there. This supports Ben Bukhri, who holds that Kohanim are not obligated to give. All right, so now we get our Sim for Dov Gimel, and our Simon is a Gamal, a camel. So here goes. The camels that carefully avoided the freshly marked graves as they ate from the climb transgressors' produce that basin was mafkir belonged to Kohanim on their way to give their marks a shekel. Once again, in slow motion. The camels, camels, that must mean we're in Duff Gimel. The camels that carefully avoided the freshly marked graves, which reminds us that the Mishnah lists several activities that are done on the 15th of Adar. Among them is the Mitzayinus of Kavaris. They mark the graves. The Tukin Chadundi explains that since some markers may have been washed away due to winter rains, it was necessary to inspect the graves and replace missing markers so that the Kahani would know to distance themselves from the graves. The Gemara brings a source that marking graves is required from the Pasuk and the partial Mitzor that states... But tame tame yikra, and he shall call out contaminated, contaminated. Why does the Torah require this? So that the tumor calls out to you, the passerby with its mouth, and says to you, keep away. The Tikkun Chadin explains that by the same token, graves must be marked so that people will know to avoid them. So the camels that carefully avoided the freshly marked graves as they ate from the climb transgressors' produce that based them was mafkir, which reminds us, in the next mission, Rabbi explains what the inspectors would do when they found climb in the fields on the 15th of Adar. After failing to dissuade the transgressors in their first two attempts, he skinushi mafkir and called sadakua. The Rabban instituted that the inspectors should be mafkir the entire field. Gamora asks, Menayin Shehefker, Basin Hefker, what's the source that what's declared onerous by Basin is onerous? And it brings a passage from the Sefer Ebra, whoever does not come within three days, as proposed by the princes and the elders, all his property shall be confiscated, and he shall be separated from the congregation of the exile. And the Gamora continues with seeking the source that the produce of Basin is Mavkir, is identical to when an owner declares his produce Hefker, and is also exempt from Maisrus. So the camels that carefully avoided the freshly marked graves as they ate from the climb transgressors' produce that basin was mafgir belonged to Kohanim on their way to give their marks a shekel. Which reminds us, in the next mission of Yudah says that Ben Bukhri testified in Yavne that a cone is not sinning if he gives the marks a shekel, whereas Rabbi Yochum and Zaki says it's not so. Rather, any cone that does not pay sins. The Gemara brings the source of the rulings. It's written in the Torah concerning the Maxis of Shekel, Ko'ovra Pakudim, everyone who passes through the senses. Yudim Rabbi Nechemi interpret this passage differently. One said, everyone who passed through the Yamsuf shall give. According to this opinion, Kohanim and Levim are chayav to give since they passed through the seat, which supports Rabbi Yochum and Zakai. The other one says, everyone who passed through the senses shall give. The Tikkun Chadin explains that this exempts Kohanim Levim, since they did not pass through the census in Moshe's presence, as all other Jews did. Rather, Moshe Rabbeinu went to the doors of their tents and counted them there. This supports Ben Bukhari, who holds that Kohanim are not obligated to give.
So once again, the camels that carefully avoided the freshly marked graves as they ate from the climb transgressors' produce that basin was mafkir, belonged to Kohanim on their way to give their maxes a shekel. All right, now it's time for a four-bought back chazora. Daf Kufyotes, the symbol of Kufyotes, is a kite, a kite. So here goes. At the annual kite festival, kite festival, that must be more Daf Kufyotes. At the annual kite festival, colorful kites of all shapes and sizes carried treasure chests of gold and silver away from a foreign land, which reminds us of what Yudah said in the name of Shmuel, Yosef Yosef gathered all the silver and gold in the world and brought it to Mitzrayim, and when Menesra went up from Mitzrayim, they took all the money from them, as it stated, Yinatsuitz Mitzrayim, and they emptied Mitzrayim. The money remained in Eretz Yisrael until the reign of King Rehoboam. Thereafter, it was repeatedly taken from the Jewish people by the other nations and then recaptured by them until it was taken in succession by the Chaldeans, the Persians, the Greeks, and the Romans, and it still remains in Rome. So at the annual kite festival, colorful kites of all shapes and sizes carry treasure chests of gold and silver away from a foreign land. High above the men sitting at a royal feast where the king lifted the kosher bracha, which reminds us that we learned from Vigdah Yod V'yigamal, and the child Yitzhak grew and was weaned, and Avram made a great feast on the day Yitzhak was weaned, that in the future Kosh Baruch will make a great feast for the tzaddikim on the day that he bestows his kindness upon the progeny of Yitzhak. At that time, after they eat drink, They'll then offer the kosher bracha to Avram, Yitzhak, Yaakov, Moshe, and Yeshua to recite birchas and muzzah, and each one will say that they cannot recite the bracha for different disqualifying reasons. It will then be offered to David who will say, I shall recite birchas and and it's fitting for me to recite it, as it says in the Pasuk, I shall raise the cup of salvations, and the name of Hashem I will invoke. The Marshal explains that since David built Yushalayim and his son Shlomo built the base of Migdash, he was qualified to thank Akash Baruch for the major themes of Birchaz and Mazon, such as Bris Mila, the Torah, Eretz Yisrael, Yushalayim, and the base of Migdash. So at the annual kite festival, colorful kites of all shapes and sizes carried treasure chests of gold and silver away from a foreign land. High above the men sitting at a royal feast, where the king lifted the kosher bracha, and reminded the chef not to bring out the Viennese dessert table, which reminds us. The next Mishnah states, We may not conclude the Seder meal after eating the Pesach offering with Afikomen. Rav said this means, that after eating the Pesach, people should not uproot themselves from their group to go join another group. The Rosh Hashanah explains that according to Rav, the word Afikomen is a contraction of the words, take out your eating utensils from here so we can go and eat somewhere else. Since according to Rabbi Yehuda, the Pesach cannot be eaten two places, the Rabban prevented the eating of any food in another place, lest someone take along some of the Pesach meat and eat it in the second place as well. According to Rav, if one remains in his original place, he may eat other foods as well. Shmuel says it means that after the Pesach, one should not eat desserts, which were called afikoman, a contraction of afikumine, bring out a variety of sweets. The Rosh Hashim explains that since Kodshim should be eaten in the manner of kings who do not eat ravenously, the Pesach should be eaten late in the meal when one is no longer hungry. Eating after the Pesach would suggest that one is still hungry. Tosa would say the reason is that the taste of the mitzvah should remain in our mouths. Daf Kuf Chaf. The simon is a cook. So here goes. The cook. Cook. That must be wrong. Daf Kuf Chaf. The cook at the economy Pesach Hotel who refused to serve Maror because it's only a Rabbanan, which reminds us, Rabbi says, Matzah bezmanadzeh deraisa, Maror the Rabbanan. Matzah nowadays is still a mitzvah deraisa, but Maror nowadays is a mitzvah deraisa. And the Gwara explains that Maror is not deraisa because the Torah requires the carbon Pesach be eaten on matzah's morarim, with matzah's and bitter herbs, which we learn from this. Bezmanadzeh ka Pesach, yesh Maror, bezmanadzeh leka Pesach, leka Maror. 
that when there's a carbon pesach, there's a mitzvah the rice to eat maror, and when there's no carbon pesach, there's no mitzvah the rice to eat maror. Regarding matzah, on the other hand, a second pasuk states be'er tochu matzos in the evening that follows the fourteenth of Nisan, you shall eat matzos. Rav Achim Yaakov disagrees and says the matzah and maror are both the rabbanon nowadays, and the pasuk be'er tochu matzos in the evening you shall eat matzos is coming to teach that someone who is tamir or b'derek rechoka or on a distant road who cannot partake of the pesach still is a chiyuv the raisa the matzah. So the cook at the economy Pesach Hotel, who refused to serve Maror because it's only a Durabanan and Matzah for the last six days of Pesach because it's only optional, which reminds us the Brisa that supports Rabbi states Sheshus Yamim Tochum Matzos Biyomashvi Atzeres Loshemel Kachot for six days you shall eat Matzah and on the seventh day it should be a gathering for Hashem your God. From here we may infer Mashvi Rishus of Sheshus Yamim Rishus. Just as the seventh day is optional, meaning there is no requirement to eat matzah on the seventh day, so too are the six days optional. The Bryce explains how this inference was made. So the cook at the economy Pesach Hotel, who refused to serve Mark because it's only a Durabanan, and matzah for the last six days of Pesach because it's only optional, really infuriated the guests when he told them they must finish eating by chatzos. Which reminds us that the Mishnah states, HaPesach Acher Chatzos Metames Yadaim. The carbon Pesach makes the hands tummy after chatzos. The Gemara explains that at that point it becomes noser because it may no longer be eaten and noser is matami one's hands mid the rabban. Rav Yosef says that this mission is only consistent with the view of Rebbelezim and Azariah as it was taught in Abraisa that the Pesach states va'akos abasa bolayla zeh and they shall eat the meat on this night. Rebbelezim says that it says on this night bolayla zeh and it says regarding makas b'choros va'avarti beretz mitzrayim bolayla zeh and I will pass through the land of mitzrayim on this night. So just as Machas Bechoros refers to night up until midnight, so to here, by the eating of the Pesach, the prescribed time is up until midnight. Rabbi Kiva said to him, but does it not say that you shall eat the Pesach Bechipazon in haste, which implies that you shall eat the Pesach Ad Shas Chipazon, up until the hour of haste, meaning until daybreak, when you will hasten to leave Mitzrayim. The Pesach Bolayla is coming to teach that one must have thought that the Pesach would be eaten during the day, just like other Kudshim. The Pesach comes to teach, Bolayla Nechol Ve'enu Nechol Bayom, it's eaten at night, but it's not eaten by day. So we see from here that Belazim and Azariah holds that it's in the rice to eat the Pesach after Chatzos. Tafkuf Chafal of the Simon is a cocoa bean farmer. So here goes. The hardworking cocoa bean farmer. Cocoa bean farmer, that must be one Daf Kuf Chafal of. The hardworking cocoa bean farmer who was incensed when he saw a lazy cone leave over some Kodesh meat, while another one was Mafagla's enemy's carbon, which reminds the Mishnah Daf Kuf Chafal and Beis stated a Pigal Banos Metamis Yadaim Pigal. And knows from a time with the hands. The Gemara states that either Rav Huna or Rav Chisa said the Rabbanon created this rule because of Chajdei Gohuna, the suspected Gohanim, and the other said it was due to Atzlei Gohuna, the lazy Gohanim. The Gemara, as explained by Rashi, says that the two Amorim did not disagree. One taught that Pigos met time in the hands to prevent unscrupulous Gohanim from intentionally making a carbon Pigos so as to cause a loss to its owner. The Rabban therefore decreed Tuma on the hands to be Matriach the Kohen to immerse them, which would serve as a deterrent. The other one taught that no sir is Matami the hands to prevent lazy Kohanim or Yisraelim from failing to eat the carbon on time. So the hardworking cocoa bean farmer who was incensed when he saw a lazy Kohen leave over some Kodesh meat, while another one was Mafagla's enemy's carbon, threw and poured hot coffee on them. Which reminds us, the mission records about Kokos about someone who was eating meat of the carbon pesach and meat of chagiga, each of which requires its own bracha. On the carbon pesach, the bracha that's recited is Lecho pesach, and before the chagiga, it's Lecho hazevach. Rabbi Shmuel says, Birch birchas pesach patras shol zevach, birch shol zevach lo patras shol pesach. If one said the bracha for the carbon pesach, he exempted himself from saying the bracha 
for the other carbon, but if one said the brach for the other carbon, the chagigi did not exempt himself from saying the brach for the carbon Pesach. Rabbi Kiva says that neither brach exempts a person from his obligation to say the other one. The Rashbam explains that the Torah requires that the blood of a carbon Pesach be poured on the wall of the Mizbeach, and the blood of the chagiga be thrown on the two corners of the Mizbeach from a distance. The Gemara explains that both Tanaim agree that lo shvicha pouring is not included in throwing, and the Malchokas revolves around the issue of whether zrika b'klaz shvicha, throwing, is included in pouring. According to Rishmol, throwing is included in pouring. So the brach for the Pesach exempts the bracha for the Chagiga. Rabbi Kiva holds that throwing is not included in the pouring, and therefore he requires a separate bracha for the Pesach and Chagiga. So the hardworking cocoa bean farmer, who was incensed when he saw a lazy Kohen leave over some Kodesh meat, while another one was Mephago's enemy's carbon, threw and poured hot coffee on them that was being brewed for his sons, Pinyon Ben. Which reminds the Gemara brought the incident of Rabbi Simlai, who attended the Pinyon Ben, where the people said it's obvious to them that the father makes a bracha of all Pinyon Ben, since he's the one doing the mitzvah of redeeming his son. But they were in doubt as to who recites the Shechianu, the father of the Kohen. Does the Kohen recite it as a physical benefit of this mitzvah, meaning the redemption money reaches his hands, or does the father recite it because he's the one who's doing the mitzvah? Rabbi Simlai did not have the answer and asked in the base Midrash and was told, Aviyah Ben, Mavarkstein, the father of the son recites, the Gemara concludes, Behokas Aviyah Ben, Mavarkstein. And the lacha is, is that the father and the son recite two brachas. Dot base, so the simra dot base is a house. So here goes. As the first of other sirens on the based in collection house, house, that must be on dot base. As the first of other sirens on the based in collection house proclaim the start of collection time, which reminds us, which reminds us, the opening mission of the Masechta states, on the first of other, they, meaning base, proclaim regarding the payment of the shkalim. The grant asks why the announcement was made on the first of other, and answers so that the Jews will bring their shkalim in their designated time, and in this way, the withdrawal of the temple chamber funds will be made for the new donations in its proper time on the first of Nisan. Rabbi Shmobar Yitzchak said, Trumas Halishka Ketchilas, the withdrawal of the new shkalim from the temple treasury chamber occurs on the first of Nisan, like its initial date that occurred in the wilderness. So as the first of other sirens on the basin collection house proclaim the start of collection time, while the very powerful Yitzchak are feverishly misdirected people, to donate to an evil cause, which reminds us, having mentioned that if the proclamation to collect the Shkalim were to be made on the first of Adar Rishon, the Yetzirah would cause people to procrastinate, given that they have 60 days to contribute, the Gemara brings more examples of the power of the Yetzirah. For Yudabar Pazi said in the Marebi, Es, can the Psukim be read without one being seized by fear at the power of the Yetzirah? When Bnei were asked to donate for good, meaning for the building of the Mishkan, the Torah states, everyone who was generous, brought donations. This implies that not everyone was forthcoming with the donation. However, when they were asked to donate for evil, referring to the Chet Egel, the Torah states, the entire people removed the gold rings that were in their ears. This implies that even Jews who were not generous by nature donated. And the Gemara brings three more examples. So, as the first of other sirens on the based in collection house proclaimed the start of collection time, while the very powerful Yitzor feverishly misdirected people to donate to an evil cause, the Truma agents had an all-hands meeting to plan for three different donations. Which reminds Rabbi Chagai said in the name of Rabbi Shmuel Bar Nachman, Shalosh Truma's Nemr of Parsha Zos. Three donations are mentioned in this Parsha, meaning Parsha's Truma. Truma's Adanim, Truma's Galim, and Truma's Mishkan. They're the donation of the sockets for the Mishkan beams and pillars, the donation of Mishkalim for the communal offerings, and the donations for the needs of the Mishkan. All right, now it's time to conclude the pop quiz of 10 questions plus. Three bonus questions from previous Mesechtas. Number one. Wish something one that the Abiyah Ben makes both brachas of the Pinyon Ben of Al Pinyon Ben and the Shechiyanu. That's on Duff. Kuf Chafav. Good. Number two. Wish something one that one of the activities of the 15th of Adar was marking the graves. That's on Duff. 
Good number three. We're just going that eating mutts on the final six days of Pesach is only Rashus, that's on Duff. Kufchaf. Good. Number four. Which of the one that the announcement of the collection of the Maxis of Shekel begins on the first of Adar so that the communal funds can be withdrawn on the first of Nisan? That's on Duff. Beis and Shkon. Good. Number five. Which of the one that Yosef had Sadiq amassed all the world's wealth in Mitzrayim and Ben Israel took it with him when they left? That's on Duff. Kufyotes. Good. Number six. Which of the one that the question of the bracha of the Pesach exempts the bracha on the Chagiga is based on the Malchol because if Zerika is Bechol Shvicha? That's on Duff. Kufchafal. Good. Number seven. Which of the one that the opening psukim of Parshas Truma refers to three trumos? The donation of the Adanim for the communal offerings and for the Mishkan? That's on Dav. Basin Shkalim. Good. Number eight. Which of the one the people knows from Matami the hands because of Chajdei Kahuna and Atzli Kahuna? That's on Dav. Kufchafal. Good. Number nine. Which of the one that the Rabbani Institute that the inspector should be mocked the entire field of people who plant to climb? That's on Dav. Good. Number 10. Which of the one that the power of the Yetzirah is evident in that only people of a generous nature gave to the Mishkan, whereas everybody else gave to the Eagle? That's on Duff. Based on Shkalim. Excellent. Now the three bonus questions. Number 1. Which of the we have in Machuk is whether one should rely on the gates of the Azara closing miraculously? That's on Duff. Good. Number 2. Which of the one that Rebelezim and Azari opened up the base of Middash to Talmudim? That's on Duff. Chavchas and Brach is good. And number three, which stuff do we discuss the difference between a pit filled with water versus one filled with produce? That's on Duff. Kufin Shabbos. Excellent. That concludes the pop quiz. This is Rabbi Avram Golden Zichur wishing you a great day and great learning.